but I guess I just didn't know that I couldn't do it. And so I did. And I just felt so strongly about my message that people saw results. They listened, word spread. I grew my practice very, very quickly over three years. And that's what I got into actual business and ended up falling in love with business and out of love with nutrition because it's really easy to tell someone what to do to be healthy. It's a whole nother thing to understand why they don't do what they're supposed to do to be healthy. It's the same thing with business owners. It's very easy to tell a business owner what to do to be successful. It's a whole nother thing to understand why they don't do those things to be successful. I sold my business and I went into business with my current business partner. And that was 15 years ago. For me, it was this like pull, like I'm, I'm energized thinking about this. This must be the way that I that I need to go. And then I get energized thinking about this. This must be the way that I need to go. And I just kept saying yes at all of those junctures. Hey, Bright Lights, it's Angela. And thank you for joining me for this episode of Architecting. Today, I am super excited to have Steph Tuss as my guest. She's really somebody that's a great champion for visionary leadership. She's the CEO of a multi-million dollar company called Life Is Now. She's also the co-host of a top ranked podcast called The Successful Mind. So I'm really excited to unpack part of that success mindset with her. She's somebody who has always loved to teach. She began her career as an educator, but then she sort of moved around. She's been a holistic nutrition practitioner, and now she works as a business coach with her partner, David Nagel. She's also had multiple businesses over the course of her career, and I would love to hear as we talk with Steph how she followed her heart through this path. So welcome, Steph. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Let's start with just talking about what success means to you and how that definition sort of led you through different pivots in the course of your professional life. Well, I think success means something different to me now than it meant to me you know, 20 years ago when I was starting out on my entrepreneurial path, I think there's a big misconception out there that that success is some destination, that it's some stationary point in the future that you'll arrive at someday and finally feel like you've been a success and you'll have everything in the bank and your life will be figured out and you'll be stress-free and everything will be incense and peppermint, so to speak. But I really believe, and it has been my experience that success to me is really about the journey rather than the destination. I'm successful when I keep my word and I wake up early in the morning and jump out of bed and I'm excited to I'm excited for what the day holds. I'm a success if I get a negative result that I can then learn from and make modifications so that I get the result that I actually want the next time. I, I really view success as something that you do every day that's a culmination of who you're being and the things that you're doing every day rather than some point in the future that you're trying to reach that always just seems to be out of reach. When we do that, we never get there. But I also love that you didn't tie success to having a particular role, that it's more just about how you show up every day. 
It is about how you show up every day. The beautiful thing about being human is that our roles consistently change and your role needs to change as you're growing. I'm almost 50 years old. I've had three different careers so far, I can say. And each one of those came with a different role. So for me, one of my driving factors is experience and freedom. So I know that I'm successful when I feel like I have the freedom to make choices, when I feel like I have the freedom to to have experiences that I want to have. And it has never been tied to a specific role for me. It's more tied to my quality of life. You know, a lot of times people get very hung up on the external validation. So they do tie it to a role and certain accomplishments and achievements and showing that they can do it or proving themselves. And in your story, it really is coming more from an internal motivation. And that seems to be what's led you to make even the pivots that you've made. Oh, 100%. Life is now we work with hundreds of different types of business owners, everybody from the solopreneur just starting out to the multi multi millionaire high risk business. And there's this thing that happens with business owners who haven't quite reached seven figures a year. They think that their success destination is when they hit seven figures. That's their primary goal. I want to hit a million dollars a year. I want to hit a million dollars a year. And we help people do that. But the interesting thing is, is that when they finally hit a million dollars a year, nothing changes, (laughs) right? Like the sky doesn't open sunbeams don't shine down on them. All of their problems don't go away. And I have all these conversations with these entrepreneurs and and they say, you know, Steph, I realized that I actually hit a million dollars a year four weeks ago and wasn't, didn't even realize it. And I don't feel any different. And I'm like, no, because success isn't a destination. It's a journey. And for me, I mean, success has been really following my inner guidance, my heart. Um, I have a pretty unique story. I didn't ever want to be a business owner. That wasn't, you know, when I was growing up, I grew up very middle-class. I wanted to be a teacher and I was going to teach for 30 years, just like all the teachers that I knew, but my purpose in my life had something very different in store for me. And I just had to continue to follow that inner guidance. Yes. Yeah. So I'd love it if you could talk a little bit more about that inner guidance, because a lot of times someone can definitely tell you what they don't want. They know they're not happy. They've got their laundry list of complaints. But if you say, but what do you want? They don't have an answer. Well, that's a really hard question for a lot of people to answer because as children, it's pretty much, was it's not okay for a lot of kids to want things, right? Or if they say, I want this, then they have to justify why they want it and how they're going to get it. And it's just easier to just shut down the wants and focus on what's right in front of you. For me, I was teaching. I gave birth. I had my first child when I was in my early 20s and she was born very sick. So the option was either invasive surgery at three weeks old, or I look outside of traditional medicine and see if there are other options. So I thought I'm looking outside modern medicine first, all kinds of study, talked to all kinds of people and found um, a solution, which just happened to be my daughter had food sensitivities. And this was, you know, 20, almost 22 years ago. She's going to be 22 Mm. um, next week. And no one knew about that at that time. Nobody knew nutrition had an impact on on an infant, what the mother was eating and then, then nursing that was really uncommon and unknown. I discovered it was what I was eating that was making her sick and changed what I was eating and all of her symptoms went away. So essentially saving her from having invasive surgery that wouldn't have given us any answers whatsoever. And I was a teacher at the time. And I thought, 
wow, this has been so impactful for my life. And I'm a teacher. This is what I should teach. I shouldn't be teaching fifth graders social studies. I should be teaching other moms this because it's been had such an impact on my life. And I felt like I, I needed to pay it forward. Like I owed some debt to God or spirit of the universe for leading me to find this solution. So I went back to school. I got my master's degree in holistic nutrition. I left teaching and I went into business for myself, having absolutely no idea what I was doing. No entrepreneurs in my family, no business experience, no business finance, like not a single class about how to be an entrepreneur. But I guess I just didn't know that I couldn't do it. And so I did. And I just felt so strongly about my message that people saw results. They listened, word spread. I grew my practice very, very quickly over three years. And that's what I got into actual business and ended up falling in love with business and out of love with nutrition, because it's really easy to tell someone what to do to be healthy. It's a whole nother thing to understand why they don't do what they're supposed to do to be healthy. It's the same thing with business owners. It's very easy to tell a business owner what to do to be successful. It's a whole nother thing to understand why they don't do those things to be successful. I sold my business and I went into business with my current business partner now. And that was 15 years ago. For me, it was this like pull, like I'm, I'm energized thinking about this. This must be the way that I that I need to go. And then I get energized thinking about this. This must be the way that I need to go. And I just kept saying yes at all of those junctures, which has then led me here. And now I've been the CEO of Life is Now for six years. So I've been part of the company for 15 from the ground up to now CEO for the last six years. And success certainly hasn't all been about getting everything right and not making mistakes because I've made a lion's share of mistakes on my way. But I think for me, the success lies in the lives that I've been able to impact and the the life that I've been able to create for my family and for myself. I've never believed that success is, is destination-based. This is really showing a lot of when you're doing what you love, and as you said, it energizes you, you just naturally start to magnetize opportunities to you. Now, I know a lot of the work that you do is based in neuroscience. So as we think about that magnetizing of opportunities, it's not magic, right? It is because we're thinking differently. It is because we're thinking differently. And there's something very contagious about someone that's in love with what they do. People want to be a part of that. And there's also something very contagious about confidence. So I think part of this is I had the experience, and this is just in my first business in nutrition, I had a life-changing experience that I received in implementing these strategies. So I was incredibly confident that I could help other people the same way. They weren't going to talk me out of that this wasn't going to work. I was passionate about it and I was confident about it. And people are attracted to that. This is a, a phrase that goes across all sales. The most confident person always wins the sales conversation. Either you're confident you can help them or they're confident that you can't. That's the person that wins. But there's also this energetic exchange that happens when someone's looking for a solution and you're very confident that you can help them. They buy into your confidence and your business just grows. It's not always about the expertise or the credentials. It's more about the passion you have to help people and make a difference. You don't need to be the expert to have a big impact. You just need to know more than the person you're helping. Yes, because that is a trap of sabotage is thinking that you don't know enough. 
oh, I need to learn more. I need to learn more. I need to understand this better. I need to understand this better. And that's just your subconscious mind's way of keeping you exactly where you are because you're always at the starting block but never starting. And that's a common problem with with small business owners and entrepreneurs is that they just don't ever feel good enough to help people. And you only need to be one or two steps ahead of the person to give them a hand. And that's true. I mean, that's true across the board. Yeah. And when you don't, when you hold yourself back because you're not quote unquote ready yet, you're actually denying people what you can offer them and you're not helping people you could have been helping. Correct. I think that is a big problem in architecture because it is a technical profession and there is a lot of imposter syndrome on who am I to take a stand for an innovative way of working or a big idea or really doing something that's more cutting edge because I can't prove it. Especially with architects, you know way more than the average person that that's looking for your services. You just don't see it because it's all in your head. You don't know, you don't realize how much you know because it's your way of being. It's it's all in your head. But having a conversation with someone like me, you're immediately the expert because you immediately know more than I do about any kind of architectural project. When you feel good about what you do now and you're willing to let go of the liability of expertise and bring the fresh thinking, I think you really can have a lot of breakthroughs with your clients because you feel more accessible to them and you're curious as opposed to trying to make a solution that looks like how you can recognize a problem based on past problems. Yes. Yeah. And and I think that's really important, you know, as we think about the work you do is to help people be those visionary leaders. What's that differentiator between just leading and being that visionary leader? The leader of any company, your primary role is to be able to communicate the vision of where you're going. And I think it's the most overlooked aspect of a small business owner. Because let's be honest, we get into business as a small business owner because we love the thing that we're doing in business. Nobody goes into business for themselves because they want to manage a team. Like, doesn't happen, right? You go into business as an architect because you love the art of architect, architecting, architecture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a crea- It's creative. It lights you up. It's fun. You don't go into that line of work because you want to you wanna manage people. No, you go into freedom. You want to freedom for, of expression, freedom of your own time, freedom of your own finances. But really, when you're the visionary of your own company, to really grow your company and to scale your company, you have to be able to communicate your vision to everybody that works with you. And I see this overlooked a lot in small business. With our clients, we really take them through exercises that help them create a 3D world of where they see their business in three years. In every aspect, what's going on with sales, what's going on with operations, what's going on with leadership, what's going on with marketing, what's going on with projects, what are clients saying about us, how are we making money? And it's it's this like 3D vision three years in the future. And then that 3D vision is then communicated with the rest of the team, whether you have one person on your team or you have 20 people on your team. Being a visionary leader means you have the gift of expressing your vision to the people that work for you so that they can see how they fit into the vision so they can see how they can get you there. So it's a flip from me as the the leader of my company, my responsibility is to grow my company to we as the team, our responsibility is to grow the company because we all want to see that vision as well. So a visionary leader allows people to support them. They communicate their vision. They hire only A players on their team because 
That's the only way they're going to they're going to grow their company with only A players on their team. At the forefront of their mind, they're looking at how can I build my people to build my business and how can I continue to communicate my vision? You know, if you go into businesses now and you ask them what their vision is, very few can can give you a, a bird's eye view of what that vision is. They'll tell you their financial goal or their mission statement or maybe their values, but they don't have a clear idea as to exactly where they're going. And I think it's a real missed opportunity to galvanize an entire team to be focused in one specific area to hit one specific vision. It's exactly it. Because then you're just focused on the job you have and getting it done, but not the deeper meaning behind it. Yeah, not the why, right? The why is so important. Like, why am I going in and doing this every day? Why am I tall? Like, why am I putting up with the things that I have to put up with? Because there's, there's a greater good underneath it. There's a bigger vision that we're all headed toward. Yeah. And that's important because there are setbacks. That's part of life. So of course, can yes. you say more about how you hold space for that big vision in the face of setbacks and keep the team morale and the team focus in momentum instead of dropping down? Yeah, I think that our society has done everyone a great disservice by making mistakes wrong. Think about school, right? You make a mistake in school and you get a big red check mark. You get an F, you get humiliated, you get embarrassed, ashamed, you have to do something over, you have just there's always some kind of negative consequence to making a mistake even if you didn't intend to make that mistake. When you're growing a business, those mistakes are crucial. You can't grow without them. So what we do on our team is we do something called sunshining our mistakes. And that means when anyone makes a mistake and I make a ton of mistakes. So I lead, I lead this way. When I make a mistake, I'll call it out in front of my team. Like, wow, I really misjudged that. That was, that was quite the mistake. And I state what the mistake was, how it was made. So like, how did I make that mistake? And then what I learned from that mistake that I'm going to change so that that never happens again, because the gift in those mistakes is that there is a gift in that mistake. It's an opportunity to to learn so you can get better and better and better. And if you're comfortable making those mistakes, knowing that you're going to learn from them and you're only going to make them once, then everybody else in your team begins to get comfortable making those those one-time mistakes as well. And that's where innovation occurs. If you have a team that's afraid of making mistakes, that's embarrassed by making a mistake, that's hesitant to make a mistake, you can't innovate. You can't try new things because everybody's worried that if they try something new, it might make them, they might make a mistake and it might turn out how they want it to turn out. So innovation goes down. People start getting afraid that they're going to lose their job. There's a great book about this called The Fearless Organization by Amy Edmondson. And she's done a whole bunch of study around psychological safety and the importance of allowing team members to sunshine their mistakes and you as a leader, especially setting the example for sunshining those mistakes. That's so important because like you said, if you know it works, it's not creative. It's just a regurgitation of something else. Just safe, right? Right. And so we have to make risk-taking feel comfortable. Yes. And acceptable and and expected. If you look at any of the larger companies, creative companies like Netflix, for example, if you're not taking risks at Netflix, you will be replaced. It's a requirement that you must take risks and then sunshine the mistakes that you make based on those risks because that's where people learn. That's where shifts happen. That's where innovation occurs. 
Right. And a lot of times we feel like it's so scary to take a risk at all. And if it doesn't work out, we run away completely. We throw yes. the baby out with the bathwater instead of saying, well, it might have worked if we tweaked this or that. Exactly. So yeah, it really is a big opportunity. And I think that's important. Now on your podcast, you explore that quite a bit with your guests, that success mindset. So I was hoping you could sort of share the through line. You've had some amazing guests on. What's the common denominator here that they're all kind of saying to you? I would say there's several common denominators, but the big common denominator is how entrepreneurs think about fear. Generally, we're taught as children to avoid fear, that fear is uncomfortable, that if you experience fear, you walk away. And really, fear is a very old concept. You're either fight or flight, you know, you're running from a lion or you're in your cave, you know, hiding that kind of fear, caveman fear. And it's stuck with us for this long. So fear is grossly misinterpreted. And as a business owner, fear is really just kind of a warning sign like, hey, you're feeling fear because this is something you need to pay attention to. And you need to ask yourself, is there is there any truth in this? Is there actually anything to be afraid of? Generally, there's not right? We were only born with two fears, a fear of falling and a fear of loud noises. All other fears were given to us. So they were, they were trained, which is why everybody has a different level of experience with fear. You can do amazing things in your business if you actually let fear be your guide. Because the things that you're afraid of actually signal that that's the direction that you should be going. Wow. You should always be stepping into the uncomfortable because that's the only way that you grow. Growing means you're stepping into the unknown. And every time you step into the unknown, you will experience some level of fear, especially people who, who aren't raised in um, entrepreneurial families, especially people that are raised in the middle class. Your values are based in security. Don't do anything to upset the job. Make sure you have benefits. Like it's all based in security. To be an entrepreneur, you have to have a completely different operating system in your brain than you do as someone who grew up in the middle class and has a job. They're two totally different ways of thinking. An entrepreneur will let fear be their guide. Someone who's in a job will not because they don't have the same options and the ability to respond that someone who has their own business does. So I would say a big underlying theme in everything that we talk about is where do those points of self-sabotage come in? Where do those points of fear, those sneaky voices of fear slip in and take control of your thinking, cause you to go backwards or go to the right when you really wanted to go to the left. And then months later, you become aware of it and you're like, oh, how did I get here? That wasn't what I, that wasn't what I was supposed to do. So that's a huge theme through all of our podcasts is how do you think like success? And thinking like success means you always need to be willing to go into the unknown, which means you've got to have a willingness to be very comfortable being uncomfortable. Something that a lot of people struggle with, we worry about losing our job, losing the client if we don't do what they want us to do, even if what they're asking isn't the right thing, or we want to explore something yeah. deeper to help solve the problem better. Being comfortable saying, I'm going to put this on the line because it's the right thing to do. It kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier, making those heart-led aligned choices versus doing something because you think it's the quote unquote right thing to do. Yeah. You're a business owner. There is nothing that will cause you to grow faster than sales. 
because you face all of your demons in talking about sales. You face your demon of rejection. What are people going to think of me? Your need to be liked when you're creating a proposal or you're looking at asking for a certain amount of money for services for something. It's very vulnerable. Like you're constantly faced with your own personal development every step of the way when you're a business owner. It's so different than a regular employee mentality. I love that you created the podcast to be able to explore that at a different level than you can in your business. Absolutely. Yes. That was the whole purpose is to kind of like pull back the curtain on what actually is going on in a successful person or a successful business owner's mind versus if you're feeling stuck, if you're really, if you've hit a plateau in your business, like what's causing that? Is it the actual tactics? Generally, it's not. Generally, it's how you're thinking about the situation that's causing you to be stuck. Yeah. So it's that growth mindset. Can you talk a little bit more about what someone can do to try to cultivate more of a growth mindset? So there's a really tangible activity that we do with our clients. And it it goes back to that question, what do I want? Because generally when you get to a certain level of business, you've hit your first want. You've made a certain amount of money. You're feeling like, okay, I've got enough. I can pay my bills. I can pay my team what's next? And you come up with this kind of blank space. So we take our business owners through a tolerations activity and we have them write down 10 things in their life that they're currently tolerating. And this could be business or personal. And we give them time. And the only stipulation is these things have to be tolerations that they want to change and that they have the ability to change. So they're like, I'm going to put this down as a toleration because I know I want to change this. And it could be anything from the old couch in the living room to the car I'm driving to an underperforming team member to my current level of income. Tolerations run the gamut. And then after we've got the tolerations written down, we go through and we say, okay, if this is your toleration, what's the desire? So if I'm tolerating this old couch, I really desire this you know, beautiful couch from Pottery Barn that I've had my eye on for a year and a half, but haven't pulled the trigger on. So that that gets written down next. If I'm tolerating my current level of income, my desire is, and then you list what you're what you actually want. And what happens is it's almost a trick of your mind. The desire is answering the question, what do you want? But you start from coming from a place of what you don't want. Once you get the idea of what the desire is, then the next step is to list out all the excuses you use to not have that desire in your life. And generally the excuses all tie back to either a feeling of unworthiness or a feeling of not good enough. And when you can actually see that written on paper, you can say, whoa, this is all in my head. None of this is true. And then you start creating new behaviors that immediately will start begin to bring in the desire that you want. So it's this really cool activity that allows you to pull all of this out of your head, see it on paper, and then immediately begin to make a new choice and a new decision to bring in the thing that you actually want. Oh, that is really powerful because so often there's not that clarity around what I want and we block it. We block it because we say, I can't do that until, and we always put our success in the future. That excuse, I can't have it until all goes back to a feeling of not enough. I'm not enough yet to have that. I'm not good enough yet to have that. And it's not based on any kind of truth. If you're tolerating something, then that means you want something that you're not allowing yourself to have. So allow yourself to have that thing. 
it's a it's a really great activity. It's it's funny to see all the light bulbs go off when we work our business owners through that because they will be adamant that they have no idea what it is that they want. And as soon as we do that activity, they can see 10 desires right in front of them of what they want in their life that they just weren't allowing themselves to see. That word tolerate, that's not a word you hear a lot in business, yet it really does flip a switch on how you frame your current situation and starts to make you realize that the status quo isn't such a good thing after all. Not at all. Not at all. Not a lot of fulfillment in the status quo. You stagnate there, even though it feels comfortable because it's what you know, there isn't growth there. And I think that growth is really what helps us to become successful because we're aspiring to what really matters to us. Thanks so much for being on today. Is there any other words of wisdom you would give to that smaller business owner or that person in a creative profession that is a little more vulnerable because there's no right answer in the work that you do? Stop looking for the right answer. I think that's the key to everything is that there is never just one right answer. You know, even in marketing, it's always moving. It's always changing. The idea behind being an entrepreneur is that you can adapt. You have the ability to respond, to not be afraid of taking that next step because you know if you take that next step, another opportunity will be on the horizon because it always has in the past. If you take the time to actually look back and see all the different times that you've stepped forward not knowing something has showed up, I would say let go of that need to find that right thing or that right answer and just go with what's right in front of you. When we read about a success story, and we hear somebody's journey, we often dismiss the struggle because we know that the outcome, but in our own lives, we magnify the struggle. Yes. And if you look at any successful business owner, there have been many, many times they have struggled and been defeated, but there's always opportunity on the other side of that. Keep going and don't be defined by the failure, be defined by the journey, be defined by the aspiration. Yes, that's right. That is such a powerful thing. And we all need to be reminded of that so often because it's so easy to get stuck in the anger, guilt, and shame of this isn't going the way I think it should go. So what do I do? Don't ever tie your results to your personal value. (laughs) Results are just results. They don't mean anything about you personally. Oh, that's a great way to think about it is that it's not about you and your value. It's just about something you tried and what can we learn and how do we keep the ball moving down the field? Exactly. If someone is interested in learning more or listening to your podcast or working with you, how can they find you? You can go to the successfulmindpodcast.com. That's our podcast website. You can also find us on Apple, Spotify, all the platforms, the Successful Mind Podcast. We also have a website, lifeisnowinc.com, where we have actually have a visionary leader assessment on that page. You can take the assessment and it will tell you exactly the type of leader that you are, your strengths, your weaknesses, and then give suggestions on how to help you with those weaknesses. Totally 100% free. You're not going to get spammed by 5 million emails. It's just a tool that we, we've done for all of our business owners that help them understand who they are as leaders. So two places, our website and our podcast. 
I have really enjoyed listening to your episodes and it's good to have the template of what someone else did because sometimes you can hear a story 10 different times, but that one person, that one time makes the connection. Yes. Definitely make sure that you listen to that and share with Steph if you appreciated this episode. How can we find you on social media? I am on Instagram. I'm at Steph Tuss. S-T-E-P-H-T-U-S-S. It is me. I manage my own account. I don't have anybody managing it for me. So if you message me, you will hear back from me. And I love to connect on Instagram. So that's a great place to send me any questions or just let me know what you think. I really appreciate your time today. This has been really valuable. I, I learned a lot of great stuff and I'm sure everybody in our audience did too. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. you for listening. You made it all the way to the end of the episode, which means you are committed to making yourself a priority so you can be empowered to do the work you were called to do in the world. How amazing is that? If you would like even more content just like this, please remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. I would so appreciate it if you left an honest review too. Hey, I want you to know I'm here for you beyond the boundaries of this podcast. You can follow me on social media at Architecting Podcast or visit architectingpodcast.com to download some great free resources. Take care, everyone, and stay inspired. (laughs) 